Glory, glory. Wow, wow, wow. What a fantastic morning. What am I doing up here preaching when we've already had three messages? You know, how am I supposed to, uh, how am I supposed to better that? I'll think of something. Awesome. I'll think of praying. Father, we just pray for your help right now that you would empower your word by your spirit. Father, let them be words of life that come out today, we pray, Lord. And Father, exalt and magnify your son in the congregation today, we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Wow. You're a wonderful bunch of good-looking people here today. Fantastic. God just loves you guys. Did you know that? Our Father in heaven. Wow. Holy is our God, but his love is just permeating the whole, the whole place here today, isn't that, eh? Glory to God. Well, Ian, a couple of weeks ago, or three, um, brought up a verse that I love in Isaiah chapter 1. And it's verse 18. And it's when, when, when Jehovah God is speaking. And uh, I just wanted to just start with that this morning. You know, we're talking about all things are possible. And so God says to us, and he says to you where you're sitting in your seat, he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, or your selfishness be as scarlet, it shall be white as snow. They shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come now, let us reason. Have you ever reasoned with God? Maybe you thought God had a big stick. I want to tell you how God is a reasonable God. He wants to reason with you. How reasonable is that? He's not just going to pack a sand or, or, or get upset. He's very reasonable. In fact, he's so reasonable, he sent his son to be your savior. You couldn't get much more reasonable than that. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they'll be white as snow. He's going to wash them all away. He has a solution to cleanse you and make you completely whole. Hallelujah. I could preach a message on that, couldn't we? Great verse again. Woo. All things are possible. The title of my message today is Living Radically Free. I think everybody wants to live free. You know, we're sort of getting... Sometimes we get locked down, but you can be free. You can be in jail and be free if you know the Lord. Hallelujah. Free in prison. You can be imprisoned into the, in this house and still be free. Wow. I want to speak about three things. First of all, I want to speak about uh, uh, the fall of man and the faith, uh, contrast it with the faithfulness of our God. And then I want to speak about the freedom that we have been given in Christ. Yes? Living radically free. You know, we all know the story back in the Garden of Eden. And the question is, how far did man fall when he fell? Was, what was the infinite shift? Because it was. It wasn't just a little trip over. It was a tremendous fall. Was it simple disobedience or something much more profound happened? And I would suggest to you that it was absolutely profound. Man was looking to the Creator. And yet another voice came in that wasn't his creator's and questioned what the creator was saying to him. See, God spoke to man, you shall not eat of this tree of the knowing good and evil. Then another voice said, you shall be like God. If you eat of this, you're going to be like God. You can be in control of your own destiny. You can make all your own decisions. You can give it your best shot in life. You can try hard. Doesn't, you see, it's quite subtle, isn't it? It's quite subtle. You know, it's like, imagine if someone um, convinced you that you should 
not pay for power anymore, but you should disconnect your power at the, out at the letterbox and plug it into the letterbox. And, and just disconnect it completely from the mains, but plug the end of it into the letterbox. How much power would you have? You know, you'd be living in darkness. Well, that's exactly what the enemy did, didn't he? He came along and said, let's just disconnect this. Let's not have faith in our Creator. Look to Him as the source of all life and all blessing and all glory. And let's just plug it into here. <laughs> and you're going to be like God and, and look at the world and what a mess we've made of it. You see, when the snake came along, they should have realized, after looking at all the other animals, that the snake had, didn't even have a leg to stand on. Yeah? You, you would have thought it would have been a, a dead giveaway. Are you listening to voices that are credible? Even voices coming from here. Some of the loudest voices we ever hear are coming from here, where the poison's been already infiltrated and the poison's there. I'm not good at this. Nothing ever goes well for me. And then you speak it out, and death and life are in the power of the tongue, and you speak death over your life. No one likes me. I'll probably never find someone to marry me. You know, I'm all alone. I'm hopeless. Why do I have to go through all this in life? Maybe God doesn't even care. I don't know. What happened was, with the fall of man, man became the source instead of God. What we're so excited about here at Excite is that we can connect with God again, the Creator, our Father, the one who loves us infinitely, and we can connect by faith. But in order to do that, we have to, we have to trust Him. You know, you would have thought... If we really just stopped and thought, God actually created man from dirt. He didn't create man from diamonds or from gold or from uh, uh, rubies. He picked some dirt. Now, dirt was the best, best place for seed to come into. And Jesus is that seed that grows into a mighty tree of righteousness in our lives when we receive him. But to try and make something of dirt and put it up on a pedestal is like us trying to jump up to the level of God and he's sitting on the, one of the furthest away distant galaxies and we're getting that close to him. It's not much of an attempt. It's time to stop all the effort and all the, your trying and trust in the living God. Yes? <clears throat> Romans 5 and 8 says, before I go into, 18, sorry, before I go into that, once man sinned, they hid from God. They, they said, we saw, we saw we are naked. And then God said to them, well, who told you you're naked? You know, we blame God for condemning people, you know, for condemning us. We feel condemned before God and feel that we've missed the mark. But God never condemned us. It says in Romans 5 and 18, it says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, that's Adam's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. It came from in, inside. And yet they blame God for it. God always had a way. He, he made them. He said, well, who told you? You're naked. I never told you. And then he makes some coats of skin. Well, if that's a problem to you, here's some coats of skin. Blood shed. I've got the answers even to this. But it's going to cost me more than actually just creating this universe where I can just speak. I'm going to have to come 
as a man and go to the cross and bear away all your selfishness. And I'm going to demonstrate how much I really love you and care for you. And John 3, 17 says, For God did not send His Son to condemn the world. Man had been doing that to himself for long enough. Why did God need to add to it? He came that the world through Him might be saved. Through Him. There's no other way. You can go around Jesus. You can go around the cross. You can try and do good. Perhaps you're a do-gooder here today and... And that's, that's all right, but it's not going to get you closer to God. Hallelujah. Man in the beginning was like a light bulb shining so brightly. But then someone, without a leg to stand on, came along and cut the wire. And man's been living in himself ever since. Not looking off under Jesus. Not looking to the source of all life and glory. God wants to fill you with light. The light of the world is Jesus. And he wants to, you to experience freedom, life, glory, love, acceptance, solidarity. I don't know. I, was, I, I love going out and looking at everything in creation. Everything out there has God's fingerprints on it. So I was down the stone store and I saw the rocks over in the water. He's the rock of our salvation. He's, the water was flowing down. He's the living water. When I go to eat my meal, he's the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's like the clouds that just shower the rain down on the earth and bring blessing. Everything. He's like a tree of righteousness. I look over and see a tree. And the fragrance of his presence is like the flowers and all the scent that comes from the flowers. And woman's perfume. I'm those flowers, sorry. <laughs> Point two, the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. God is so faithful. We need faith to connect with a faithful God, and faith comes through hearing, and hearing comes through the Word of God. But light and love will seek you out. And God has sent His Son, to be, Jesus said, to be the Savior of the world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Those who had wandered away from God, that lived in their vain imaginations, that tried to make it work in life, He came to seek and to save those who are lost. Those who end up at wit's end corner, not knowing what to do. Generally, it's there that we find God. When we finally give up and we call out to the Lord, we cry out unto God. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. Without a faith link to God and Him being our source, we are basically perishing. I don't care how much you know about God, but do you know Him? Is He your dad? Are you living in all the blessing that He has for you at this moment? Come on. Come on. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Redemption cost Him more than words. It cost Him His son, and yet He made it possible. But you know, sometimes we're like bees in a beehive, orientating themselves around the honey, protecting it, and look out if you come along and you challenge them, you'll feel this thing. Some people are like that, aren't they? Very precious about themselves and their little world and their thoughts and what they think. And I don't even do Facebook and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. I don't even know what that is. 
But I hear about it sometimes. I think it's, it's, I don't know, I might be wrong. It sounds like it's somewhere where some people can get precious at times. I don't know, it's just, it's not even a thought. (coughs) But God wants to challenge you. What foundation are you building on in life? Is it all about you? It was never about us, as I keep saying here, it was always about him. That's what the gospel is. The good news is never about me, it's about him. It's about my Lord. There's only one man needed to please the Lord, to please God. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased when Jesus was here. Yes, you're trying to predict something called self, and sin is really just selfishness. But God has something that doesn't need protecting that can be shared with all, and that is his love. Yeah? And I tell you, if you start, if you're a recipient of the love of God, you'll begin to become secure. And it'll begin to not matter anymore. And you won't be so precious over yourself, but you'll be more precious over him. And it'll be him that delights your heart. Is he more than life to you? He is to me. He's my Lord and he's my God and I love him and I glory in him. And I just delight in the way in which he pleased my father so well and his walk and I just, I just look and behold him and I think that'll do for me. That'll do for me. Why, why would I make some failing attempt at pleasing God when I can have Jesus? <laughs> Ooh. So never let life speak louder than truth. When we come to the Word of God, it's a living Word, and it tells us the truth. Many people are stuck with their feelings, and that is, their feelings are yelling at them. Many people get stuck with their own thoughts. They say, if, if God loves us, why, why is all this happening in the world? Why, what about ISIS? What about corona? What about child pornography? What about the sex trade what about if God really loved man why is he letting all this happen it's the wrong question the question is if God didn't love you why didn't why did he send Jesus that's the right question if God didn't love this world why on earth did he send Jesus why did he go through all that just a thought just the truth (laughs) 1 John 4 and, 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 and 10 says This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins or for our selfishness. The Bible tells us that whatever is not of faith is sin. It has its source in us, in our mind, in our actions. You might think you're doing very good and you're a do-gooder, but God calls it sin or He calls it selfishness. You're living from yourself, for yourself, even if you think you're doing a good job of it. And you're saying no to Jesus, I've got this, I've got it on my own, I don't need your son. Away with him, crucify him, and you crucify him all over again. And you think you're a good person. Come on. The Bible says, he that has the son has life. He that has not the son of God has not life. But the wrath of God abides on him. God is angry and against and wrathful against everything that would rob us. Not you as a person. You're made in his image. He's redeemed you. He paid love, paid a great price. Don't think God's angry and disappointed in your attempt 
He's just annoyed with everything that would rob you from his love and all that he wants to bless you with. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And what a future we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's zero selfishness in love and there's zero love in selfishness. And that's what this world's got, selfishness. Their love is sex. It's all about me, gratifying myself. It's not giving and desiring the highest good of another. And if you don't give me what I want, I'll find someone else that can give it to me. That's not love. There's no love in selfishness. I want to encourage you to come to the one who is love. Yeah, you might have been coming to Excite for a long time. But have you come to the one who is love? You might go by the name of a Christian or a born-again one. But are you drawing all your strength or your sustenance or your life from the one who is love? I want to challenge you today. The Word of God challenges us. Ruth was speaking about God shaking everything. He shakes the things that can be shaken so the things that can't be shaken will remain for eternity. And I praise God that in life we don't do it easy. There's trials and there's tribulations and there's many tests. And the older you get, often the more tests and trials you have to walk through. But the more you prove the faithfulness of our God. Yes? The fall of man and the faithfulness of God. Our God is a faithful God. If you only knew how much he loved you. Wow. But his love comes to us. His grace and truth comes to us through a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to speak about the freedom that God has for, for us in Christ. You won't find it in Paul and you won't find it in Ruth. You'll find it in, if you stand in the place that God has given you in Jesus. If you abide in him, don't try and be the tree, just be a branch in the tree. He is our life and we have life in him and we're to abide in him. That's what it says in John chapter 15. And then you'll bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It'll flow out. The fruit of the Spirit will flow out of your life because you're connected to the vine. By faith, you're abiding in Christ, walking with Him, delighting in Him, and He is the center, and He is the source of life. Why is He so good? Why would we put our trust in a man? He's more than a man. He's not a man that was like the first man, Adam, that was of the earth earthy. He is like... The Lord, he is the Lord from heaven. He didn't come from dirt, but he came from heaven. He is a perfect man. He was tested by the snake again in the wilderness. And we'll read that in Luke chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. This is after he had hungered for 40 days, after he had um, been in the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. Then he hungered. He needed to eat immediately, otherwise he would start to die. Once he got his hunger back. After a few days fasting, you lose your hunger. When it comes back, that's when there's nothing left in your body and you need to eat. Start eating something small to, to carry on living. Otherwise, you start to die. So he's there 40 days and then the devil came to him at that moment when Jesus knew he had to eat something. Luke 4, 3 and 4. And the devil said to him, if, if you are the Son of God, he immediately questions things. Command these stones become bread. But Jesus asked him and said, it is written. He goes back to the word of God, even though he was God. 
the living word of God. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Satan offered him instant food. Yeah? Then in Luke 4, verse 5 and 7 and 8, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and he said, therefore, if you will worship me, verse 7, all will be yours. And Jesus said, get offered him instant fire. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. He offered him instant food, then he offered him instant finance. All the kingdoms of this world. Who goes along buying lottery tickets here? Put your hand... No, I won't get you to put your hand up. Sorry, sister. I don't want to embarrass you. Maybe you're after instant finance, but maybe it's a snake that's tempting you. It's one of the poorest investments you could ever have. It's worse than the wicked servant we read about in the Bible that went and put his talent in the ground and he got 100% back again. You won't get 100% back if we all invest in lottery. Someone won 300000 recently. And that's not going to tempt me to go along and buy a lottery ticket. But if Jesus told me, Paul, I want you to go and buy a lottery ticket, I would. But he hasn't told me yet. I've been a believer for 33 years. I'm still ready to jump in, buy a lottery ticket. But if, <laughs> but if I didn't win 300000 I'd be very disappointed. I certainly wouldn't be buying another one. I'll be thinking, Paul, how come you didn't hear from God? Hey? But no, it's a foolish investment. But what are we doing talking about lottery? Sorry, I've got off track. Luke 4, verse 9 to 12. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, great big high pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in your hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So instant food, instant finance, and here he's offering him instant fame because down at the bottom of the temple were all the Pharisees, the ones that hated him. And he goes, why don't you just throw yourself down in the middle of them and then go on the concrete, you know, 300-foot drop, and then splat, and then just get up again right in front of them. Then you'll be famous with them. And they'll go, whoa. You know, no. We get offered all these things in this world, but just remember, the one that offers them to you sometimes doesn't have a leg to stand on. Don't be deceived. Then we go back to Romans chapter 5. I shared it last week, but I love it. The gospel, it's so good. For as by one man's, uh, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That's Adam's disobedience. You weren't made a sinner or a selfish person because you became selfish. No, you were born that way. You, we actually became selfish creatures because we were born that way. It was because of Adam's sin. It wasn't our fault. That's good news, isn't it? It's not your fault. <laughs> well, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, but then here's the good news. So also, by one man's disobedience, uh, obedience, sorry, and what a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, by one man's obedience, many are made righteous. You're made righteous because of Jesus' obedience. Not by your own. You don't have to turn over a new leaf and try and try and be a better person and then find, oh, I failed. I had a big argument with my wife and now she's annoyed with me or vice versa. It's usually the other way around. No, 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 I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know, when we come to just see that God has made us accepted in, in the Lord Jesus and it's because... 
He found all that he ever wanted in a man. He found that in one man and his son. That sets us free from our self-effort. Sets us free from the prison of self. We're free just to rejoice in him, to worship him, to glory in the Lord. It says that in the word, let him that glories, let him glory in the Lord. And we are made righteous. We're given the free gift of righteousness. You are given, God is offering you the free gift of righteousness today because Jesus was obedient to him. Yes, he had a perfect walk. He never put one foot out of line. He never could. He was the Lord from heaven. And God delighted in it. God is reaching out to you in great love. He's a, he wants you to be established in perfect righteousness in His Son, and He's done that. But will you receive it? Will you have the faith to receive it? Because when you have faith, you need to repent. That means you need to turn away. I think the word's metanoia. And it's simply having a change of heart or a change of mind. No longer try and work it all out for yourself, but look off to Jesus. In fact, faith is forsaking all. I trust Him. Forsaking all. Are you prepared today to forsake everything and just trust in God. He is the source of all life, all blessing, all healing, all comfort, everything you need. He's Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides whatever you need. That's why Jesus' name was, that's why he's called the I Am. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. If you want a shepherd to guide you through life. That's what David, the psalmist, found in Psalm 23. He talked about the shepherd. Read Psalm 23, six verses of it. And at the end, he says, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. So good is our God. He makes us to lay down beside green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He brings peace to your life. Even though the angry surges of and the billows of life roll and your circumstances might not be what you want, want them to be, He can bring peace and, and He can bring calm into that raging circumstance in your life. Many Christians go to church for what they can get from Jesus rather than what they can become in Him. Are you? Yeah? You, just, you want to remain the center of your universe and just give me more, I need more. Just come to that place where God has established you in perfect righteousness in, in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't just live for blessings and then just get the huff and go away when you don't get what you signed up for. You think, well, He probably doesn't care to me. I've, for me, I've tried that, been to church, done that. You know, Just going to church doesn't make you a Christian like sitting in a garage doesn't make you a cat. Christ has to be the center and source of your life. Will you receive him today? See, there's only one reason that Jesus died and rose again, and that's so that he could get his life into you. It's called eternal life. And when you receive him, he says, he that has the son has life. You will have eternal life when you've got Jesus as your present, current possession. When he becomes your joy and the delight of your heart and the desire of your heart. Then you'll be able to follow him. Oh, ow. Just sing to him on a Sunday morning and then walk out the door and go and do your own thing. Oh, ow. Yeah, follow him. Come, follow me. You don't mind singing to him, but what are you doing during the week? Are you doing your own thing or you're walking by faith? 
That's a challenge, isn't that, eh? We're walking by faith. Hallelujah. I'm just encouraging you into Jesus. I'm not trying to bring condemnation on you. I'm just trying to challenge you, your thinking, and rock you a little bit so that you might be encouraged to come. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly and hard, and you shall find rest for your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and the, the turmoil of it. If you come to me, you'll have rest, perfect rest, perfect peace. You know, I came to the Lord, and I'll finish with this. Who knows what time the clock is. There we go. It's time to round it up very quickly. I came to the Lord 33 years ago, and I wanted to be 100% sure. And I was in Auckland. Uh, I wanted to be 100% sure that I was saved. Because uh, I was brought up in a Christian family, but wandered far away from God. And there was a young man who I met in the Ellerslie Youth Hostel down in Auckland in the boys' hostel, and he had just been baptized that night. We went back to the boys' hostel, to cut a long story short, for supper. And he started sharing with me all the scriptures uh, that I knew from my youth, from Sunday school. And I said, yeah, I already know all that, but how do you believe? See, I wrestled with actually believing outside of myself. And, uh, and I didn't get it that night. And the next night was a Monday night, and I was staying with my sister, older sister, on the North Shore in Sunny Nook. And I just, I just knew it was my time, but I just couldn't get it. So I kept striving with God, and I was, I was a smoker, and I sort of decided, because I was brought up in a Christian family, oh, I shouldn't be smoking. So I screwed them up and said, well, Lord, if you save me, I, I will just throw those in the bin, and I won't smoke anymore. I'll give my whole life over to you. Just save me. How, how do you get it? I was really wrestling with it. And uh, then I prayed again, uh, and nothing seemed to happen. An hour later, I was out there pulling the smokes out of the bin, and I hadn't crushed them up too much. I got another cigarette. Praise God. About two o'clock in the morning, God was really moving in my situation. I was really, boy, was I under soul trouble at the time. Looking back, I can see it, but I didn't have to see it at the time. But I taught, I realized I just was desperate. I said, God, no matter what it takes, I'm going to screw all those smokes up. I tore them to pieces. I tell you now, I never took another cigarette. I've been smoking two packets a day for two and a half, three and a half years. But it wasn't that. It was difficult to give up. But it was, I just wanted to be him to save me. And I went back inside and I said to my sister, well, how do you know you're saved? And they gave me a few verses, but nothing jailed. I wanted to be 100% sure. So I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. I opened my Bible to John chapter 6, verse 37. And, and it was words in red. So I knew it was Jesus' words. And he says, all that the Father has given to me shall come to me. And I knew I was 100% had come to him that night before. But I wanted him to tell me. So I knew in my spirit I was saved. And then he says, And he that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. And it was like the lights came on. It was like a load lifted. For three weeks I was singing wherever I went. It was tremendous. It was no longer about me. I was just rejoicing in the Lord. Even with secular music it just seemed to be Christian songs. The words had another meaning and I was just singing about my Lord. It was like the load had lifted off. And God can do that for you today. He wants you to know His love, His salvation. He wants you to know that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses you from all sin. He wants to know that He can establish you in perfect righteousness in Christ. And because of Jesus' obedience, He can just give you, he, He's justified in giving you perfect righteousness. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do penance. 
Glory to God. 